Can I encourage you to keep your Bibles open at that Matthew passage? Let's ask ourselves a question. How good are you at showing forgiveness? For those who don't know, my name's Rick. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, We've got to a break in our Luke's uh, passage and we're going to come back to Luke uh, next year. Uh, We're just looking at a couple of topics before we dive into 2 Timothy next week. It's a big broad question isn't it how good are you at showing forgiveness if you've been alive for more than 15 minutes and married for more than 12 10 minutes you probably know that you need to be people who show forgiveness if you've related to anyone or they've related to you you probably know what you need that you need to be people who show forgiveness well Actually, you know that other people need to be people who show forgiveness when we're more honest with ourselves. Maybe you should ask the people around you, how good are you at forgiving? Or how, what do they think of your ability to show forgiveness? It's a huge question, isn't it? And yet I'm conscious of the fact that this is a tough question. Uh, I'm not talking about fluffy stuff, although this passage could include fluffy stuff. You need to forgive people who've, you know, trodden on your toe or something like that. But this question delves into deeper things, doesn't it? Uh, The whole topic of forgiveness starts to unlock the deep hurts we've been in and through. Those deep feelings and emotions. And so it's my desire as we look at this topic this morning, it's my prayer that we are reminded of the goodness of God. It is my prayer that we are challenged to reflect the character of God, particularly in one little area on forgiveness. And that's a pretty hard place to reflect it. And it's my prayer that we'll have a greater clarity on what forgiveness looks like from God's point of view. So having said those things in my prayer, let's pray, shall we? Our Lord and our God, as we look at your word this morning... Uh, Lord, help me to be clear, help our hearts to be spoken to by your word and through the work of your spirit in our lives. On this topic of forgiveness, help us to take it seriously, for you say it is serious. Amen. Well, what is forgiveness? We're going to be spending some time looking at what forgiveness is. It's good to know what the Bible means when we talk about forgiveness. If you read through all of the Old Testament, which I decided we wouldn't do this morning, uh, you'll see the idea, not that I'm against reading through all of it, but just my, I don't know what you're going to do for lunch. And I can't feed the 5,000 with what's left in the fridge from last week. If you look through the Old Testament, you pick up the idea of atonement. When it talks of forgiveness, it uses words that pick up the idea of atonement. And that's like defining one big word with another big word. So what the heck does that mean? Atonement is the idea that you're made one again. Uh, Forgiveness of sins between us and God, that we're made one again in relationship with God. If we're going to forgive one another, that the relationship that was broken by whatever we did is made at one again. And in the New Testament, the Bible uses words like... um, uh, to deal graciously with. Now, not give them what they need or they deserve, but to deal graciously with or to send away, not to send the person into exile, but to send away the problem 
the idea, the New Testament also uses words that give the idea of releasing and passing by an offence or passing over an offence. So that's how the Bible starts to refer to this concept of forgiveness. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Because the Bible's understanding of forgiveness is completely different to the way our society understands forgiveness. The Bible's understanding of forgiveness, I've already raised a couple of words and what they mean. But in our society, forgiveness has to do with me and how I feel. It's a therapeutic thing. I, I forgive so that I don't get bitter. I forgive so that, well, it's better for me if I forgive. It's about my feelings. It's a private thing. And, of course, if you extend that sort of thinking, that means I'm going to have to forgive God when he's upset me, doesn't it? Because it's all about me. And that's not what the Bible means when it talks about forgiveness. Forgiveness in the Bible's concept is not therapeutic. It's not a private thing, just so you don't get angry and bitter. Forgiveness in the Bible's point of view is about an offended party offering forgiveness or pardoning an offender. An offended party pardoning an offender and seeking reconciliation with that offender. That's a big concept, isn't it? In the Bible's point of view, forgiveness doesn't mean that everything returns to what it was before. You don't just press a reset button and go back to your default settings. And that's challenging. Sin and the consequences of sin can be forgiven, but the effects of sin can be ongoing. Now, as we go through this uh, topic this, this today, sorry, it's not this evening yet, I haven't been going that long. Um, as we look at this topic, I'm going to keep referring to me or to us as the offended party, it sort of makes me feel better and makes you feel better. But let's be honest with ourselves, we are more often than not the offending party. With that in mind, with our understanding of what forgiveness might look like from the Bible's point of view or mean when from the Bible's point of view, let's ask the question, why bother with forgiveness? I hope it's a fairly easy answer. Uh, we read a couple of passages from God's Word. Uh, if we'd been very traditional Anglicans, we would have already said the Lord's Prayer. But I figure there's no point just repeating a prayer that you could have taught a parrot over and over again. The Lord's Prayer says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. That's a scary prayer to pray, isn't it? And you may well have prayed it hundreds of times and not realised how serious that one line is. The problem of just repeating things. Do you know what Jesus goes on to say? Have a look at verse 14 and 15. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In the middle of the prayer, we have a commentary from Jesus of just how important this particular point is. No other point in that prayer has a commentary. And yet we just repeat a mantra without our brains engaged. Did you see how serious 
that prayer is when it comes to the topic of forgiveness. Why bother? Jesus says we should. But not just there. That second reading, Matthew 18, were you shocked with verse 35? This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you and me unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. You know, it would be very foolish for us to read those two things out of God's word and think that God doesn't care about us and whether we forgive. It's all about just God forgiving me. Doesn't it make sense that if God has forgiven me, I should also reflect, if I'm an ambassador for God, my saviour and the character of my saviour and be someone who forgives others? As a citizen of the kingdom, we are told, this is what kingdom living looks like. As Jesus unpacks what discipleship and following him looks like, forgiving those who've wronged you makes lots of sense because Jesus forgives those, forgives us when we've wronged him. So where do we start? If we know it's important, how do we start the process of being obedient to God's word here? Well, that's where that parable that Jesus says in Matthew 18 is so good, isn't it? Well, maybe so challengingly good. A servant owed 10,000 bags of gold, it says in the NIV translation. In the original language, it says 10,000 talents. Now, a talent is not your ability to juggle, you know, balls. You can juggle 10,000 balls at once. Now, a talent was what you'd earn on the average weekly earnings for 20 years of work day in and day out. That is a lot of money. There are not even people in our 8.30 service who are that old. 20 years of work is one talent and there's 10,000 was the debt. Impossible. Impossible to repay it. The bank would have foreclosed on you a long way, a long time before that. And the king's solution was ludicrous too, wasn't it? To sell the family into slavery, well... How much do you think slaves are worth? The highest recorded amount ever paid for any slave ever, one talent. 20 years work before you get your money back. Sold the whole family. I don't think his family was that big. You're not going to end up with enough to even make the dent in one bag of gold, are you? But what does the king do? He forgives him. Now, this is stunning. The amount of debt this bloke has racked up is possibly more than the kingdom is worth. It's more than the average, average size of a kingdom is worth. And the king has just forgiven someone more than the combined wealth of his kingdom. It's a parable. But let me tell you, there's a challenge in this parable. But sadly, this guy's forgiven as a forgiven servant doesn't show the same level of forgiveness to his fellow servant. He's owed it by his fellow servant a debt, quite a good debt actually. It's, just, it's a significant debt, but it's nowhere near as big as the debt that he has just been forgiven. And he throws the bloke in jail until he can repay, which if you've ever been thrown in jail in those times, it's very hard for you to ever earn money again. So you're never going to repay the debt anyhow, but it, 
It's very hard to raise capital when you're in jail. And the point of the parable is this. I hope we've picked that up. We have been forgiven lots, more than we could ever imagine. We should be people who forgive people. As forgiven people, we should be people who forgive people. We are much bigger offenders than we are victims. My debt is always going to be far greater than anything I'm ever owed. So where do we start? Know how much you've been forgiven. That's a good starting point. And that's the purpose of Jesus' parable in Matthew 18. The second thing we want to pick up on as we look at the concept of forgiveness is make sure we know who we're looking at as an example of forgiveness. Don't look at me and I have no intention of looking at you as examples because we are very flawed, aren't we? Look at Jesus. Look at the forgiveness that he has offered you, the great debt that you owe. And if you are into thinking of your sins as everyone else has got more sin than I am, I'm a pretty good bloke, that's not the truth. Wait until you hear the second memory verse that Fizzle is teaching us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reason why we should look at Jesus is that helps me understand what Jesus has done and what it costs Jesus to do what he's done so that I might get a good grip on myself and see what forgiveness really looks like. So what has Jesus done? Hebrews 9.22 reminds us, and there's a number of verses I could be reading, but we'll just pick up on one. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus offers us to pay the debt of sin and wipe away the guilt of our sin is not cheap. It's not fluffy. It's not cheap. Think of the Matthew 18, the 10,000 bags of gold. The idea that forgiveness is just dished out to everyone willy-nilly is not even a biblical idea. Did you notice that? Forgiveness requires repentance. Now, Christians have wrestled with this, and we'll touch a bit on it in a moment. But when Jesus sends out his disciples to tell people of the gospel message... He tells them to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you just look at the book of Luke and then Acts, sorry, you see that ongoing theme in just two books of the Bible. Repentance and the forgiveness of sins go together. That works not just in those two books, but right through the Bible. So note this, it's not cheap, but it requires repentance. But let me say a couple of things before you look for a way out. The sort of forgiveness that Jesus offers to us is one that he prepared beforehand. Before you repented, he had made it possible for your debt to be repaid. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. God demonstrated his love for us is the bit I left out. 
You see, Jesus prepared it beforehand so that when we would be, when we ask, the debt was already, or the means to pay the debt was already there. Everything necessary had been done so that forgiveness could be offered. And why does Jesus do that? Well, the very first part of that verse, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is not sitting up in heaven with his finger hovering hovering over the smite button, waiting for us to stuff up so that he can smite us and spread us all over the universe. The heart of God is for us to repent. He desires to lavish his grace upon us, his free forgiveness, undeserved forgiveness. He is a God of compassion. Yes, it does require forgiveness. Repentance does require, sorry, forgiveness does require repentance. But the heart of God is already desiring to hand it out. And the actions of God has already made it possible to hand out. If we look at what forgiveness looks like from God's point of view, Jesus has offered to forgive us, to pay the debt of our sin, to wipe away the guilt of our sin, and to do that, he had to become like us. He had to humble himself, to stand in our place. The most incredible thing about God's love for us is that he humbles himself to pay the debt of our sin, so that when we repent, we can be forgiven. Jesus does not stand in my place or your place because we are lovable. He, does, he stands in our place and pays the debt of our sin because he loves us. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the example of Jesus. You'll notice there's not lots of personal examples but what does forgiveness really look like when it comes to you and me? How do we put it into practice? The good news is we're not Jesus, and yet the bad news is that forgiveness is still something we need to be doing. Well, let me tell you, that's actually good news, but it's challenging news might be the better way to put it than bad news. I've given a couple of passages from Matthew and Luke. What does Ephesians 4.32 say? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Tick that one off, no worries. Forgiving others like God has forgiven us. Oh, the challenge is there for us today. It's not just what Jesus says in the Gospels. That is the expected life of those who are disciples of Jesus. There's no ducking, there's no weaving. We need to be people who show forgiveness. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you waiting to forgive someone who repents? Someone who's wronged you if they repent? Remember the great debt you're owed. Sorry, the great debt you have been forgiven. The great debt you owe. Remember how much you have been forgiven. Remind yourself that you need to be people who forgive. What else does forgiveness look like for us? It's still costly, isn't it? 
the cost of forgiveness is easy to say and hard to do. It's easy to forgive someone who's done something trivial to you, you know, upset your plans for the weekend. Well, you've got 51 other weekends left in the year. What does it really look like to forgive great wrongs? I'm going to send you a link. I'd like to show you a video, but I thought if I showed you a video, you'd all be crying by the end of it. And I would be too, and I've got to get up and speak. I'll send it to you on Monday. It's outrageous forgiveness. Unbelievable. In the face of deep personal tragedy. Because this person understands the debt that they have been shown, been, been forgiven already. When you watch it, I do suggest that you have the, the, um, the tissues ready. If you're a man who can't cry, don't bother watching it. For those people on live stream, if you want to know this link, you have to send me an email and I'll send you a link. Outrageous forgiveness. Are we people who are preparing our hearts to forgive? Are we people who are ready to forgive big things, not just the small stuff? That's easy to say and hard to do, so what should we do? We should be prayerful, shouldn't we? Asking God to help us forgive. You might have heard of a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. She was a Jew in a Nazi concentration camp, just for those who don't know the story. Her sister was killed. I won't unpack the whole story. But after the war, she met one of the guards that was involved in her abuse and her sister's death. The guard had become a Christian by then and he came up to her asking for forgiveness. So what did she do? She didn't even want to see him, didn't want to, even, didn't want to do anything to him. From her point of view, it, she had every excuse not to forgive. She prayed. I cannot forgive him, Lord. Please give me your forgiveness. Uh, you can read about her story in The Hiding Place. It's a great read. It's an old read, but a good read. This is how she describes what happened after her prayer. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. Now, you might not have got the same buzz, unless you've got your finger in a power point. But note this, she could not forgive until she prayed. Notice when it comes to forgiving others, the person who is wronged needs to humble themselves and love the person that has wronged them. Are you preparing your hearts to do that? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, following Jesus is not fluff, is it? It's not just what I do so I feel good on a Sunday morning. Forgiveness, which we're commanded to give, may well require us to be people who are humble and loving even of those who've wronged us. 
Another thing to do with forgiveness, and it's probably our problem more than it is Jesus' problem. The reason it's our problem is this, we are sinners. Forgiveness of big things is often a journey. You don't just turn it on and turn it off like a light. With real and genuine hurts, they are hard to forgive because they keep coming back at us, don't they? They keep biting us. Sometimes we need to rework that journey, rewalk that journey of forgiveness more than once. Forgiveness that hurts a lot is on a journey, is often a journey, sorry. The last thing I want to say just on forgiveness and what it looks like from our point of view is that real and genuine forgiveness in the face of real and genuine repentance does not mean that everything just goes back to the way it was. Everything does not just return to normal because forgiveness has been asked for. That might seem obvious, mightn't it? There are always consequences for sin, isn't there? And the consequences still exist, even though forgiveness has been given. Let me give you an example of what I mean. You'll see it when you watch the video. Um, if I have killed your, your child, you can forgive me, but that does not bring your child back to life. Forgiveness does not always mean that rights are corrected, that wrongs are corrected, sorry, and things fixed up. But forgiveness still needs to occur. Now I've talked about this and I've talked around a big topic and I've talked rather broadly and the reason I've done that is that um, I'm well aware that each one of us has been through very different things in life experiences, times we've been wronged and I don't want to use examples in a way which trivialise the deep hurts that can happen. There's no silver bullet explanation for how forgiveness needs to be shown by you in your context. But if you're someone who struggles to forgive, heed the words that Jesus says and speak with someone that you can trust as you work through what it means to forgive those that have wronged you. I'm going to finish by asking four serious questions, maybe not giving all the answers that you might like, but raising them so that we can reflect on them. The first question is this, how, are you good, how is your heart at harbouring unforgiveness? Be honest with yourself. Like if you read Matthew 18.35, do you walk away thinking, oh? It's a serious question with huge ramifications because if you're struggling with forgiveness, that's a different thing. But if you're harbouring unforgiveness, Jesus says that's not good. There's the challenging question. Well, I think they're all challenging. Maybe that's the most personally challenging one. Here's the next question. Um, when I'm offering forgiveness, how do I know if repentance is real? 
it's sort of what's behind that Luke passage that we read, isn't it? It's sort of what's behind the question that Peter asks in the beginning of Matthew 18, 21. It's a complex question because you don't always know the heart of the person and parrots can say, please forgive me, can't they? Forgiveness does not always mean, remember, that things will just return to normal. There are consequences for sin. And sometimes those consequences will impact us to the day we are in heaven. Here's some things that I reckon if you're concerned about whether repentance is genuine, if it's asked of you, and is it really genuine, here's some things I would want to think through. What's made you concerned? What are the reasons you are concerned? Maybe they've just asked a hundred times and it makes no difference. They're not making any steps towards showing genuine repentance. What evidence is there of any long-term changes? Now, I know they can be excuses to find our way around and not offer forgiveness, but they help us work out whether repentance is real, don't they? Don't use them as an excuse not to show forgiveness. Err on the side of being forgiving, but there's a caveat to that too, because Christians can be taken for a ride. What are the dangers if you err on the side of being forgiving of getting it wrong? Why do I mean, what do I mean there? Well, if you offer forgiveness and repentance is not real, the same thing might happen again. That's what got our diocese in so much trouble with child, child abuse. Here's the third question. What are the limits to forgiveness? Again, seven times. Well, Jesus says 77 times. And he's not thinking, get out your calculator and double-check that you've, done, you've got to 490, I think it is. He's saying limits are endless. In fact, forgiveness is open to you by God until you take your last breath. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You can live all your life in rebellion and forgiveness is still open to you until your last breath. The danger, of course, in waiting to your last breath, there are two dangers. One is you don't necessarily know when your last breath is going to be. And the other danger is this. Um, if you think that following God is a bad life, just look at those who've lived in total rebellion towards him all their lives. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And he's not just talking about eternity. He's talking about now and eternity. So whilst you've got breath in your lungs, you can still be forgiven. And maybe the same needs to apply for our offer of forgiveness. Whilst you've still got breath in your lungs, you can still offer forgiveness. That's hard, isn't it? It does need to be heard in, the, in, the, in light of the answers to some of the other questions. But start here by asking God for the strength to forgive if repentance happens. But what if it doesn't? 
Do I need to forgive the person who never asks? That's the question we want, isn't it? And I've got to this long in the sermon before I've even addressed it. I'm just going to touch on it. I think I have addressed it already. You see, Jesus made it possible for your forgiveness if you ask at any time. Jesus made it possible. He prepared the way. He paid the debt. He was ready. His heart was shaped in a way which is saying, I want to forgive. All you need to do is ask. So we we often say, I'll repent if they they ask, but I bet you they never will. And we need to be thinking, have we prepared our heart so that we forgive when it's asked for, even if it never is? They're real questions, aren't they? I'm I'm sure I've handled them in ways which have got you thinking. There's always the opportunity to ask about them later. How about I pray? Our Lord and our God, we know the goodness of grace and we hear regularly of what you've done to pay the debt of our sin and wipe away the guilt of our sin so that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence on Judgment Day. And yet here we read of a great challenge to us as followers of you, as members of your kingdom, citizens of your kingdom. We need to forgive like you have forgiven us. And Lord, sometimes we don't take that as seriously. Help us to be people who forgive even when it's costly, when it humbles us. Help us to have our hearts ready, willing and able to forgive even if it's not necessarily asked of us yet. Lord, help us to be people who understand the enormity of the debt that we have been forgiven. And may may that shape the way that we relate to others and forgive others. And we ask these things, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.